1: They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White.
2: And thanks for joining us today And I'm Joanne White And it's a pleasure to be here And I just want to give a shout out To all those people Who are healing and dealing With all sorts of challenges All over the globe In California and in other places And also wishing all the people In the United States Who are traveling safe travels And happy Thanksgiving And to all of us It's time to really think about How we are caring for ourselves and for other people. Many people are suffering not only in the United States but all over the world from depression and oftentimes that's hidden from family and friends until it's too late. And it's so important to recognize that there are signs and that there are things that we can do for people who are challenged by mental health issues, challenged by depression, and also... Bullying. So I have the right person today who's going to really talk about that and help us and bring more awareness into our lives about what's going on with mental health, with, with depression, and also with bullying. And I'm talking about Tracy Maxfield, who's a nurse with 35 plus years experience in health care. She's also certified in gerontology and dementia care and is passionate about helping and educating people as a dementia advocate. She has written articles about dementia in the column Dementia Awareness What You Need to Know and the Scrutinizer.org. And Tracy is also a regular guest on the radio show Caregivers with Hope. She's involved in both local and provincial projects to improve the health well-being, and the quality of life of the aged and dementia populations in British Columbia. And Tracy also sits on the board of directors for seniors outreach. After enduring her own years of struggle with depression, a psychologist encouraged Tracy to begin a blog to which she started, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, My Life with Depression, to better help her friends understand her depression, Over time, Tracy began to heal and found that there is hope and life after depression. Since the release of her book, and it's a great book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, Tracy has become an advocate for bullying and mental health awareness and continues to share her story to help others. Welcome, Tracy Maxfield. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Joanne. I'm delighted to be here. That's wonderful. Now, we were talking a little bit before the show about the the title of your book which I think it's a great title. How did you come up with that title and and why is that title so important?
0: The title represents
2: actually my,
0: my depression and my journey. So when I had my Nervous breakdown or acute depressive episode. It was so severe that I actually felt like I had fallen down into this abyss of darkness, and it felt like a rabbit hole. I've never been down a rabbit hole, but it just it just felt like it was really deep. It was narrow. It felt earthy. And cold and suffocating and unfriendly and just the, the feeling of dread and fatigue and hopelessness and sadness that I was feeling just i didn't feel like like lots of people will say they felt they they had fallen down a well when they had depression i didn't I felt that connection to hitting the bottom. And to me, it was a rabbit hole. It was almost like I could feel the roots of trees and the earth and I knew that there was a way out because I could see a little, little, little chink of light, which to me represented daylight and sunshine, but I couldn't figure out how to get there because it was just so dark and there was no way. It was just like little bits of stones and root fragments and felt like a rabbit hole. That was the only way I could describe it to people. But when I did, they identified with that feeling of isolation and separation and just darkness and despair. And then when I, did, when I wrote my blog, I thought, well, my plan is I need to get out of the rabbit hole. And so it was really escaping I felt I had to escape the rabbit hole in order to live, and hence the book and the title were born.
2: And, you know, you did. You did escape the rabbit hole, and I think the way you described it, it's it's very important because it does give us that feeling of darkness, of confinement, of constraint, of, of you know, just and the sense... Of falling and not being able to get out but but the wonderful aspect was that what you just just described is that you saw little bits of light so that even though in the midst of the darkness there were there were glimpses of light not everybody who goes through depression and mental health experienced that so so I think you were lucky I have a question too because when you were going through this and you where were where were the people around you? Did they understand? Did they know what was going on? How did how did you convey, or could you convey, anything about what was going on at that time to to them? Well,
0: unfortunately, when all this happened, um, I was living on my own. Um, I was recently divorced. I had actually just lost both of my dogs, mm. and. My friends, who are in the, in the healthcare business, they were aware that something had happened, and they could understand what depression was. But I think until you've actually been living with someone or caring for someone who's gone through depression, or you've lived it yourself, you've walked the walk, um, you still don't understand. Because I was in those first two weeks. Um, No one saw me aside from my doctor. Um, And it was literally a case of me having to drag myself out of bed and shower and get to the doctor because there was no one to take me. And so my depression journey was a little different in that because there was no one, I had no choice. My choice came down to three things. I could stay in bed and ultimately continue to worsen and surrender and, and die, for want of a better word, just surrender, surrender to suicide, or I could fight and try and make sense of what was going on and get help, and so that's what I did. It was a case of everything was forcing. I mean, it was telling yourself, just, just do it, just get up and do tasks. And it was very, very difficult because a task that I would have done a week before the breakdown would take me me mere minutes. Now, it was taking me up to 35 minutes. And I think that's what overwhelmed and scared me. It was very much something I'd never dealt with before. And because I was trying to make sense out of it. Um, I can understand how in those early stages, my friends couldn't understand what was happening. Like, you know, one week before you seemed like you were Tracy and the following week she was gone. And that's, that's the only way to describe it.
2: Um, and, you know, and, 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 well, and I, I totally understand. And I think it's so important that people get it. I've worked with people who... Have clinical depression one woman described that it felt like she had sandbags literally pressing down on her chest that she could not move she felt immobilized uh-huh. so the fact uh-huh. that you were a- able to get out of bed was amazing and i had someone else a husband of a, of another woman who was depressed who said you know she and he was angry because again a lot of people even people that are living with you don't get it. He said she can't even empty the trash can. I mean seriously, <laughs> the trash can. He was he was upset. But when somebody's going through what you're describing, there's no energy, there's no momentum, there's no will. There's just like you said, being in this darkness and not knowing how to get out or what to do or or whatever, and it it you know it's so important that you're here to share what 's going on with you so that that you could help other people. so how did you get beyond it? Was it the writing was it i mean how did you get past that dark hole and out of the rabbit hole to do all the wonderful things that you're doing now to create more awareness and more sensitivity to people going through this?
0: Well, I think the first thing is i mean I saw my my doctor, and she started me on a different antidepressant, which it did literally at that time save my life because it enabled me after two weeks to at least get a little bit of clarity um and strength that I could start doing something. And I think I was fortunate maybe that because I am a nurse so much, sometimes that's not so good. Um, But I I knew enough that I had to keep going. And as I said, because there was no one that could come down and kind of give me chicken noodle soup and bring me my medication and, you know, make me a cup of tea, I had no choice. I, I had to do it. I had to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. And it's interesting when you relay the story of the woman who felt that she was way down with sandbags. I likened my experience to someone had encased me in cement. and wow. I felt like, I felt like um, during the night someone had come and put cement shoulder pads on me and cement boots. And for the first few days, I was literally crawling Around my home um, I you don't even have the ability and the energy to stand up tall you, you don't and it's so scary and overwhelming because people um, and only now starting to understand the, the physical and health side effects of what happens when you do have a depression it's not just emotional and in the mental component, cognitively, it'll affect your memory and your thinking and planning skills. But physically, it affects your body tremendously. And so I I decided to try and follow a routine. And literally, those first few months, it was minute by minute. It, it absolutely was. It was minute by minute. And it was me telling myself get up, you have to take your medications. Now you're up, have breakfast. And again, it was I wasn't hungry, but I forced myself to do it because I knew deep down I didn't want to die. And because I'd had my first encounter with very close suicide only two days after falling down the rabbit hole, I realized how fragile, if that that is uh, perhaps the most appropriate term to use, how vulnerable I was, that suicide was suddenly gonna be my best friend, um, for want of a better word. And this depression was very different. And I had, if I wanted to get to that chink of light, and it was literally a chink of light, um, I better start doing something. And it was extremely hard Uh, in the book. I I say, it's, it's not easy you you will you need to want to do it to move and to get rid of the depression and lots of people say, well of course they do not all people it's not that they want to stay in the depression it's not all people feel that there is hope to move forward and so they just keep fading and fading away tragically and I think that was one of the reasons why I wrote the book was to let people know oh my goodness I've been through it you're going through the same your neighbor is somebody down the road is we're all in this together you can you can get through it do not give up hope and so my escape was it was minute by minute which went hour to hour which went to -to day-to-day as time passed. Seeing my doctor regularly, medications, psychologist, having hourly sessions every two weeks, and it was making a list, a a routine. And in it, in my self-care plan, I have right in the list. It was literally everything from wake up at 8 a.m., go to the washroom, take your medication, make breakfast. Have lunch. It was, and it enabled me to kind of continue to propel myself forward, but also when I actually did a task, and it took a long time. The fact that you could tick that task off almost gave you a sense of control that you were slowly starting to take back your life.
2: And it was, you know, it's small, sorry, small tasks. Now a small t- e- e- I- when you're describing it, I'm actually I'm actually seeing it because a small task, which is w- which is why a lot of people, even the loved ones that are watching and 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 experiencing you or a person that's going through that don't understand because, like you said, two days ago you were fine or whatever, and mm-hmm. so suddenly here's this person that 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 someone's been living with who who is very different, seemingly, who has no momentum, who has that immobilization and is suffering and can't really communicate. When you're in a rabbit hole, when you're in that darkness, you can't even communicate. And like you said, you had to do, you know, make yourself a list and do small tasks And even those tasks seem monumental when you're going through what you went through. And it's so important that people get it. And not only people that are living with loved ones who are suffering through mental illness and or depression, but also other people because we're going to talk about bullying in a second too because oftentimes seeing someone... In their weakest or most vulnerable moments, it, it, someone like a bully can actually say be more see well here's an, here's an instance where I could be more powerful and take advantage. Were you bullied when you were going through depression and, or, or I mean, is that part of something that you endured uh,
0: so I had always lived with a chronic type of depression. Um, I had experienced three previous episodes of depression in the past, nothing like the, the episode that I experienced, which led to the book. And at that time, right. they had um, diagnosed me with um, probability of a genetic depression because of family history and so after my um, episode which actually only lasted about six months really and again um, it was only off work for a month and had continued to work because I I didn't get the the effects um, the severe effects that I was experiencing um, in 2015 and so they decided to keep me on a maintenance dose of antidepressant and it was I mean even with chronic depression you can have good days bad days but nothing like okay I'm going to end it I had never been suicidal and so it was I think a combination of factors Um, after all the years of the like extreme workplace stress and then the bullying and the intimidation and the threats and the harassment and everything that was taking place over a number of years, despite reaching out, no one was paying attention. And then it started to culminate in 2015, where I became very ill with pneumonia and usually my health is extremely good. And so at that point I was starting to understand that maybe I was wearing down a little bit and having maybe some um, burnout and the obviously the bullying continued um, despite everything. What
2: what type of what form of what form of bullying did it take? Because I do I've done a lot of work with bullying and there are many different forms. I mean, what was going on that people? How was that? How were you being bullied?
0: It was verbal. It was so they were um, making
2: fun of you or taunting no, you, or
0: no, it was um it was intimidating comments, it was harassing comments, it was suggestive threats of me losing my job that um, everyone hated me um, it, it was um it eventually became almost quite personal driven and um, it was,
2: were these um, workers or people in school or who were these people that were, were the bullies?
0: It was, it, I'm it not was, asking for
2: names. I'm just trying to get a sense no, no, of where uh, that,
0: no, it, it was, it was a superior in the workplace. Okay. So a person in a, in a position of authority and power in, in the workplace and, Seemed to escalate over a three to four month period. And I think because of the fatigue and the work and the the burnout and everything, I was starting to wear down. And at that point, I think that is where bullies sense the vulnerability. It was like they, they kind of figure out where your Achilles heel is. And they seem to then target that and target you, and it just it continued and continued until it culminated in the final meeting, where it was so. I mean, I can only describe words such as horrible. It was mean. It was malicious. It was personal. It was nasty threats. It it was just so horrible. Um, after one and a half hours of that, um, that was it. I, I I didn't respond. I didn't cry. I, I could feel myself. It was like I felt my life, my soul being sucked out, just draining away from me. And I almost went on to an automatic pilot. And I remember finishing my tasks and getting home. And, and even when I got home, I was still numb. I couldn't believe what had happened. And I was so exhausted, I cried myself to sleep. And then when I woke up in the morning, I couldn't move. I I couldn't get out of bed. And I Mm. thought, oh, my goodness, did, did I have a stroke or something? What's wrong with me? And when I finally sat up on the edge of the bed, that was the cement shoulder pads and cement boots. And I tried to get out of bed, and I couldn't. And so I curled back down for a couple of hours. And it was like i thought, i just felt dead i felt like my life was over it it was done something it, it felt like something literally had broken inside of me that was the only word i could use and not just broken
2: but completely shattered it's like you know it, it it's it's her it's so disturbing to 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 hear the pain that people go through, the pain that you experience. And we often, in terms of bullying, we often look at bullying that's taking place online or bullying that's taking place in school. And not a lot of people are paying attention to bullying in the workplace, which exists, not just for you, but it does, it does exist. And it has no place anywhere that's what we're going to say to everybody bullying has no place wherever it is and for whatever reason and even if it's uh someone in authority there i believe that there's something within them that is in question to to really take advantage of someone who is is vulnerable and and like you said bullying is you know to do it non-stop and that's part of bullying it's so non-stop and pervasive until the person like yourself just kind of is exhausted from mm-hmm. the pain and the constancy of being verbally abused or whatever kind of bullying that goes on so so you know i i i understand it and i i empathize with you let's talk a little bit about your book because it's an important book and when you were writing it what was the feeling when you were writing it because i could see you maybe writing and just and just going through the challenges of it and was it was it a a, an experience of healing to write the book tell us some more about about the experience and also what's in the book for for our listeners
0: So uh, from the moment that I had literally fallen down the rabbit hole um, I began journaling. I've always been someone that has journaled and when I'm trying to make sense of what's going on I always start writing things down and so I was journaling immediately just trying to write what happened what's going on When I started the blog upon the um, advice of my psychologist uh, it's was a little scary because I I thought, okay, so, you know, what will my friends think when I start talking on a more personal level about what's happened to me and what I'm going through? And it took me up to a week to actually finally start typing the words and not deleting them. Um, I typed many paragraphs on the blog and then just, didn't want to do it because it was just it was too painful and it was too personal and so this was approximately um, I would say almost 14 months into the falling down the rabbit hole that I started the blog and then I decided okay let's just post a paragraph and put it up and let's see how people respond and as I started typing um, it started to feel, it was a combination of fear, but also it felt cathartic because I was able to actually start sharing what happened and how I felt. And after the first blog was posted, I got so many positive responses. And I thought, okay, then let's continue. And as I continued, I realized that in order for people to truly understand what I was going through but also to them to understand what depression is I thought okay you really have to bear your soul your heart and soul and so that's what I did in some of the blogs I have to go back and relive certain incidents which were extremely painful and still very much uh, present in my mind you just don't forget certain things and then other blogs were actually as it was happening the incident where um, I had met someone in the grocery store and I came home and my my brain was buzzing so badly and I couldn't function I finally had to just fold um, kitchen towels and then I sat down and I thought post it every single adjective that is coming through your mind right now as you're going through this And I did. And people think it's a case of you just, you know, type it out within 20 minutes and you post. No, it actually takes hours and hours because that's still you're going through that physical effect. And also, emotionally and cognitively, you can only think of one thing at a time. You cannot think of two things. They're too overwhelming. And me... (laughs) I have amazing memory and I could itemize a list in my brain of fifteen things and I wouldn't forget a thing. And now I two things and I was like, No, that's too much, it's too overwhelming. Just give me one. And then once I do that, then, then if I've got the energy I'll go on to two. But it definitely was it started to become very, very cathartic and I that I think started to help my escape because I felt that I was now in real time sharing my journey with people who were beginning to understand, who knew me, and were beginning to understand, and that kind of gave me more strength and a little bit more resilience, and so the book just started to unfold, and in in the blog, um, I mean, I make... I bargain with death by suicide, DBS. Okay, I'll give it three more months. I'll give it six more months. I'll give it one more year. And so that is how the blog unfolded. And the blog concludes after the the one-year deal about suicide. Um, And then the other components of the book that I decided to use were actual journal entries that word for word what I wrote on that day, and you know it's so it's,
2: important that that people read the book like that because it's it's important to have an understanding of what you went through, and even like you said when you were in were in a store, and then you had to come back, and you were going through all the emotionality of what what that event brought up in in you and for you and. It, it It is a very difficult journey. Um, and, it's you know, it's not necess- always just about depression or mental illness. I had a client no. who had to make a video for her family about her child who was autistic because they didn't get it. And, and they just didn't get it until... Mm-hmm like like she did and like you did bearing the your soul and being able to describe so that somebody could say oh my goodness i, I never knew i never even imagined i mm-hmm. so it's real, it's it's really very important what can we do what to actually support and help other people and empower them who are going through mental illness and or depression so that they can live better lives and feel better about themselves. What do you recommend, Tracy? Well,
0: the first thing, I mean, for the person that's actually living the experience is the words I offer are it will get better. <laughs> it, it will. It won't get better tomorrow. And it won't get better in a week. But, they have to believe that it will get better, and it will. If they want to move forward, then they already have that first seed that's been planted in the brain to move forward, and that's huge. I think it's so important for family and friends, for society in general, that we stop judging a book by its cover just because a person looks fine, is dressed and well-groomed and is at the bank or pumping gas into the car or getting groceries, do not think for one moment that everything is fine and their life is just great because mental illness is an invisible illness. We We don't walk around with a tag. We don't walk around with a tattoo on our forehead telling the world what we have, and like people that have broken their leg or they may be um, having, you know, um, a bad cough, those are physical symptoms that people can see and they can identify with and commiserate with. But with invisible illness, people can't see it. But that doesn't mean that the person is functioning because we all know People with mental illness, especially people with depression, are great at smiling and saying, I'm fine. I'm okay. I don't want to be a bother when really they're dying inside and their brains are just screaming. And so I think another key word is patience. For loved ones and friends, you have to be patient with the person. And for the person living with mental illness, you have to be patient and be kind with yourself. You really have to. You will get better. It is going to take time. And so set yourself tiny goals, tiny, tiny goals. Like the husband who said, you know, his wife didn't even have enough energy to empty the garbage. Then give her a lighter task. (laughs) Just say, okay. Oh, right. um, Right.
2: Or empty it for her. And, you know, I mean, like. Rick, Rick, I think what's missing, too, is is that sense of compassion. Like you said, people don't always know just from looking at a person what they're going through. And, And you may never know that, but that doesn't mean you can't walk around feeling a sense of care and a sense of compassion because we are all connected and it's so important to really live that and believe it and offer support to to you know to people that that are in need. Tracy we're running at it to find out more about how they could get a hold of you and your book and find out more about what you do because this is very important and the statistics with depression and suicide and mental illness, not just in the United States but all over the world, is mind-boggling because it's on the rise and it's also on the rise for children, which is devastating.
0: So um, my book, is available um, online at Amazon Barnes & Noble and you can also order it at your local bookstore. For anyone that wants to have more information or contact me, they can go to my website www.tracymaxfield.com or even if they just Google rabbit hole, so much information will come up. And on my website, it's actually more than just about me, the author and the book. Um, There's lots of resources, my self-help plan. There's also lots of articles in different sections about um, mental illness in children and teenagers. And there's articles about bullying and uh, specific articles about um, adult mental illness and survivors of suicide. And so it's really a great go-to educational resource. Um, What am I doing right now? Um, so um, I actually sold my home and I donated most of my possessions to various charities and I made a commitment to spend the next six months traveling around the United States for free, all my money, talking to whoever and wherever they want me to go about mental illness and children and teenagers and bullying. Um, this has become, um, I would say, my, my mission, my new life journey, as it were. Um, I actually was asked to speak shortly after my book was released at a school about um, writing and publishing a book. And the children, the teenagers really wanted to know about my journey and how I survived depression and at that point, they started to open up about what they were experiencing and what our friends were living through, and I suddenly realized that we have a serious problem in the world because we have epidemic proportions of children, especially teenagers, living with depression and anxiety and, and are committing suicide, and that broke my heart. And so I decided that that is where I would channel my efforts and my energy and let's start educating and supporting our kids and empowering them uh, to work their way through their mental illness to help one another and not to resort to suicide, that there is much more to life. And so I think it's just going back to core values of, of mutual respect and kindness and understanding and compassion for one another and for yourself. And so that is my my purpose right now.
2: And you know what? It's a beautiful purpose and a very beautiful journey and, and, and the dedication that you have to it and especially what you're doing with children and teenagers, because, like you said that, that that has really become very serious and because again oftentimes it's an it's an illness that's that goes unnoticed or untreated mm-hmm. until it's too late, and people don't talk about it, so what you're Absolutely. doing is you're You're giving people the opportunity to dialogue, to understand, to support one another and themselves and to grow. So thank you for everything that you do because I think it's so important. And I am very fortunate to have you on the show today and and really respect all that you're doing to help others. So thank you so much, Tracy.
0: Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure.
2: My pleasure. Have a blessed day.
0: Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving.
2: Thanks. Take care. So think about what Tracy said about her experience and and being in that rabbit hole and also being able to emerge from that. Oftentimes people cannot emerge without support and help from others, including professionals. And what Tracy said is we need to have more sensitivity, more understanding, more compassion for other people and also those people who are going through that so importantly to have that for yourselves as well. So remember, we're calling this show Power Your Life for a reason because you... Have the ability within you, even if you're not aware of it today, even if you're in that dark rabbit hole, to be able to power your life, even if it's the minutest of steps that you take to do that. So, again, remember that within you, you have the ability and the wherewithal and don't give up. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day and a blessed evening wherever you are.